can't do it. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. Fucking thing sucks. Watching my night, that's the right in front of my eyes. Hello, the story. Hello, hello. Welcome to Open Wide for some soccer. My name is Seth Vertelny. Alongside me, Pablo Mauer, Thomas Floyd. As Javier and Dallas would say, it's Monday. Open Wide. <laughs> is that our new catchphrase? I don't think so. <laughs> Shot down. How's everybody feeling today, Seth Thomas? Good. I'm pretty psyched that we actually managed to do this two weeks in a row. It's been a long, long time since that actually happened. I'm a little bummed out that we didn't record our uh, 25-minute pre-show conversation about Donald Trump uh, and release it as a, you know, some sort of bonus feature. Yeah, I mean, this happened last year when we had a very heated discussion about the Oscars and the movie Interstellar specifically. <laughs> um, I don't know. Would anybody be interested in hearing us argue about Donald Trump and how much we like him? Uh, probably not. Yeah. Thomas, how are you doing? I'm very excited to kick off any show on which the first item on the outline is the words BOR DRAW in all caps. <laughs> There's really no other way to describe that game. And the all caps was very necessary with this particular game of soccer ball that we had to watch on Saturday. It was not the finest display of soccer prowess I've seen in my days covering this, the beautiful game. I, I got nothing. I mean, I almost fell asleep. Actually, after Saturday, FIFA decided that the beautiful game is no longer valid as the nickname of soccer. Yeah, I think we were... Uh, I, I mistakenly had... Uh, I, I thought the Galaxy were 0-2 for some reason because I forgot that they beat DC United and Thomas jokingly said that victories against DC United actually only count for two points. <laughs> So that's where we're at here, uh, week three. <laughs> I think into week three, we're already talking about uh, D.C. United not even really counting as an MLS team. Yeah, but D.C. United is not pointless due to the aforementioned all-caps board draw. <laughs> that we. I think they're right on the cusp of a playoff berth. Solid, uh, solid two-save performance, was it, from Travis Warhol? Right, yeah, uh, three. Three-save, my bad. I was counting, yeah. I feel like he only got tested once, that, that row shot yeah. at the end there. Yeah. Did he get tested at all? Yeah. Uh, he made three saves. Uh, I, mean, I think the yeah. last shot was the only one that was really, you know. Yeah. Uh, no, he didn't. <laughs> do, do we want, want to jump right into the Travis Ward discussion? Well, he is yet you know, to. Why, why leave our our waiter, you know, our viewers waiting? Let's get right to Travis Wara. I, <laughs> we... I know. I know Travis's mother has been waiting patiently for us to <laughs> discuss this. Yes, yeah, she has. That was weird. Anyways. <laughs> uh, Travis Wara has yet to concede a goal in his MLS career, guys. Currently tied with Mike McGee and Eddie Gavin as the greatest goalkeeper in MLS history, statistically speaking. <laughs> I mean, He had that same uh, nervous look, though, that he had last year in the 40 minutes that he played. Right. 
I, I thought you were going to say as Mike McGee, and then I remembered during that game, Mike man. McGee was yeah. absurdly confident. Yeah, and he made them. <laughs> Didn't he make four or five saves? I mean, like, uh, by the way, this is, I'm ashamed to admit this, but I only found out about this this year. What? The McGee oh, thing, man. yeah. I yeah. just remember McGee coming off his line and having several unconventional but effective uh, claims of the ball. He would just like reach over someone and like bounce it to himself. Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. very unorthodox. Yeah. But. But, by the way, interject quickly here. We're uh, obviously here to take your calls this evening. Three four seven seven five six six two seven six. Also, you can just sort of pop us questions in the uh, chat box on this YouTube stream. All uh, six of you who are watching right now. So. <laughs> oh, we're up to six. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't like that. We can now see that. Yeah, <laughs> Trevor. Is there a way to eliminate this uh, this uh, you know viewer counter, please? Uh, so Travis Wara, second year goalkeeper, undrafted last season, played one game. Correct. Uh, came off the bench when Dykstra got Half hurt in Vancouver, yeah. and this was his first MLS start. And as we mentioned, he wasn't overly tested. The the thing that stuck out to me was he didn't have to make a save until, like, the 60th minute, right? Mm-hmm. And when he did, it was a shot. It was a hard shot right at him. They kind of spilled. And I was thinking, uh-oh, um, maybe he's still got the nerves. But after that, he calmed down, cleaned up the rebounds, did what he had to do. I do feel like New England might be kicking themselves for not testing him more. I think they had opportunities to we shoot. We talked about this, man. I, they I just thought out. they should have just... Put the, literally any time you get the ball within 25 yards with that turf, yeah. especially just start firing a goal. I especially mean. considering how much they controlled most of the play yeah. in yeah. the game. I mean, they, they had chances to, to test Wara, and the fact that it wasn't until halfway through the second half that they finally made him make a save, and when he did, he spilled a rather easy shot straight at him, kind of shows that they might have uh, left a couple opportunities on the board to to uh, really test him. Now, Travis Wara's future, I I didn't really think about this until uh, driving over here and contemplating storylines we might go over. He's basically playing for his job because when Bill Hamid returns, they're going to have four active goalkeepers on the roster. I doubt they're going to keep four active goalkeepers on the roster. Are they going to cut loose one of them Horton, is, who they just acquired and, and is an enticing U23 national One of them is going to Richmond, and the other one is getting euthanized. So, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, when you look at the depth chart, I don't know if there's m- much of a viable scenario where Wara stays on the roster unless there's another injury or unless he really impresses in whatever limited opportunities he gets this spring. Yeah, I feel like you said it. I think the only way that he stays with United is if he does get a couple more chances to start and really plays well and faces a number of shots, which we haven't really seen him do. Um, I guess in that case, they could opt to keep him as third string and cut Dykstra loose. Right. Yeah, Uh, I think a lot of it has to do, too. with. So if you look at why... Dykstra was held out with back spasms. That's the type of injury sometimes that becomes a recurring, you know, recurring thing throughout the course of a year, you know. So I don't think it's necessarily a a done deal that they'd cut war loose, you know. Dykstra was also not – was he 33? 30. Yeah. Oh, that young? Yeah. Okay. All right. Never mind then. Yeah. I I played against him in high school. Really? 
I haven't told this story. Oh Jesus! Hold I'll, I'll keep I'll keep it quick. Uh, I played for <laughs> I mean, Osborne, we, and then we, he we... played for our vaunted cross city rival, Osborne Park. That's the story, the, and I'll I'll continue. Yeah, yeah. keep it going. We okay. don't have that much on the uh, agenda for DC United. The thing I remember was he. Thank you. Uh, he, I believe, hurt his wrist one season and played in the field against us in one of the games, and it was not a strong suit of his. <laughs> I mean, you would think that somebody who went on to be a professional goalkeeper would at least have the foot skills to be an effective field player at the high school level. Uh, not, not so. Uh, and and I remember. We had some of our fans, as if we had fans, like the yeah. three students who were friends of some of my teammates who showed up and heckled him mercilessly throughout <laughs> the entire game. Jesus Christ. Thomas Floyd. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's been a while since I've been able to rip one of those off. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> so... We've been talking quite a bit about the battle for third string goalkeeper, so uh, let's move on. I guess we should talk about something else, perhaps. Uh, I mean, uh, offensively, this was not United's finest game. They they didn't uh, really do much to test Bobby Shuttleworth in the goal for uh, New England. Uh, a couple of guys that we were optimistic about. Um, in the early part of the season, I guess we're still in the early part of the season, in the CCL games into the first MLS game, Luciano, Acosta, Nick DeLeon, I think they both kind of struggled in this one. I saw a stat, I believe Luciano Acosta completed 7 of 17 passes oh. while he was on the field. Um, he was yanked in, I believe, the 60th minute, somewhere around yeah, there. I think it was um, the 62nd. Yeah. yeah uh, Nick DeLeon, again, uh, we were encouraged by his display at center mid in the, the game at L.A., despite the fact they lost 4-1. to one. He had some moments. Uh, this game didn't really put it together. Um, a lot of misplaced passes. Just wasn't dangerous enough. Are, are we concerned about this duo? I'm a little skeptical again of Delion being a perfect fit as a central midfielder. We talked about this a bit last week coming into the season. I wasn't sold on it just based on the appearances he had at that position over the past couple years. And then the performance against LA had me more on board with it. After this game, it was more of what we had seen and the disappointing games he had played there in the past. He just didn't get on the ball that much. Uh, there were a lot of times when DC was knocking the ball around the back and it, there was a pocket of space where he could show for the ball and provide an outlet and he just didn't. And that may have been part of the game plan. Maybe Benny said, look, uh, concentrate on just having the back line dump the ball forward and we can chase it and press and try to win the ball in the uh, attacking third. But if there was an attempt to play much of a possession game, he wasn't contributing to it much. And then when he did get on the ball, as you said, there were a couple times where they would have a, a good movement and he would then misplace a pass out of bounds. And that's concerning. One question I have about De Leon as an attacking center midfielder is why? <laughs> 
Yeah, that's a question. Uh, another question I have is, does he really have that cutting final ball in his game? I think a lot of times you see he's able to... Nope. I, I would tend to agree with Ben on that one. I think a lot of times you see he's able to to recycle possession, move the ball around a little bit, but when the opportunity comes to play that final ball, that through ball, uh, I don't know if he has that in his arsenal. He's always been a guy who runs at defenders. That's how he creates chances in the final third. He hasn't really been the player throughout his career who picks out the final pass, so I'm inclined to agree with you that in that regard he's – not a great fit at the moment and needs to develop that skill set if he's going to continue. Yeah. Go home. And Acasa. Pa- Pablo has given up on contributing to the conversation <laughs> and resorted entirely to the Ben Olsen soundboard. Fine. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Oh, I'm a, I'm on board with it. I, I normally really don't like Pablo's shit. analysis. Yeah. Bullshit. It kind of kills two <laughs> birds with one stone. Really. Yeah, we didn't score. Nobody wants to hear that. O- off the record, I thought it was a joke. Hug my children if they're still up. Bullshit. Bullshit. It's, it's embarrassing. Oh, thank you. Go home. Son of a bitch. Oh, really? Did fucking what? Jamaican ref last night. We haven't he even... likes cat pee. Zombies. Zombies. And it takes over the rat's body. Not this year they haven't. It's more of a craving. An endless longing that haunts me in the darkness of night. We haven't even gotten into the... Hey, DC Night Faithful. <laughs> ...to the Jurgen Klinsmann section of this yet. Don't, don't get me. Uh, Good morning, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, it is what it is. All right, this is enough. All right. Uh, the other guy I mentioned, Luciano Acosta, he... He had, we, that, we, he had that one play that was really nice. But then this is a concern that I'm starting to have about him is that he's a guy who's going to produce one or two moments that's going to get on the MLS mixtape every week. But is he really going to have that cutting edge in the final third and score goals and get assists? We haven't really seen that yet. Yeah, throughout the four competitive matches and the couple preseason games that I streamed while half paying attention, uh, he... Hasn't shown that yet. Uh, can you remember any moments? The uh, the only real play that, I that Maradona turned though. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that, that was, was sick. That I, I went from being really bored to having like a semi chub instantly. <laughs> I mean, I think I yelled a lot by myself when he did that. Um, I'm uh, intrigued. I'm going to training tomorrow. It's an open practice for reporters, mm-hmm. and then for any DC United fans listening, Wednesday is an open training for everybody. If you're a fan and you want to come by and watch, it is open to the public. So PSA, really? yeah, wow. Uh, even you're invited to that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, and I, I'm interested to see him just go through some finishing drills. I haven't had much of a chance to see what kind of shot he has, what kind of prowess he has, e- even if it's just within a drill. I, I, I'm curious to see if he has that in the skill set because we just haven't had a chance to see it at all because he hasn't been able to put himself in those positions so far. Yeah, and it brings up just a more general concern about the offense. Uh, It's obviously very early, uh, but two goals in four games so far, counting the uh, CCL games. Uh, You just wonder if it's potent enough right now and if it might require some more tinkering, Uh, maybe throw Sabarillo in the mix a little more, see what kind of partnerships... (laughs) Did you? I don't know if if 
I was watching with Charlie Boehm, and both of us noticed the same thing, which is the first probably 10 minutes that Sabrina was in the game, and he was only in the game for what, like 15, 20 minutes. He, uh, he got 30. Yeah, I think 30 yeah. Mi- okay, yeah, 30 yeah. minutes. He, he was finding the ball like 35 yards from goal on the near sideline, on the far <laughs> sideline. Like, this is not where you want Sabarillo to, to, to have the ball, period. But you know, like, you, are, are you blaming Sabarillo for not providing the right kind of outlet, or do you think that's a system issue that he has to be doing that to get on the ball? I think he's a target guy. They, they need to, he needs to be in the box, you know? I mean, period. It's just not in his skill set. I mean, you know, and then I saw – I did see um, a couple of people, I can't remember who today, uh, sort of praising Sabrio on his play. And I just thought he was – I don't know. You know me. I hate him. <laughs> uh, not as a human I, being, just as a soccer right. Well, speaking of which, we have a Twitter question from Amir. Uh, do you think we need a new striker because so far Spindola has looked disinterested and Sabrio doesn't have it anymore? Um I don't what? know if Bobby's well, I mean, I think it's early. Yeah, I mean, he's hurt. hurt and, yeah. you know, but I, but I will say that um, – Early indications have been pretty poor as far as his dynamic with Acosta, like yeah. we talked about. But I, I don't know who you get to rectify that. You know, well, I don't also think- necessarily know that the that. I mean, I think they might need help in midfield. You well, know? they I mean, do. They do have a, a couple of guys who are versatile. They can play out wide or up top, and in, in Rolf and and Nagel. Uh, so potentially you could try. I mean, they've they've tried Nagel up there. A couple times already, but you could potentially shift Rolf up there. Maybe even. I mean, I do. I feel like Rolf and Espinola both have just been slow to sort of have gotten off to slow starts this year. Neither neither has looked uh, particularly like themselves. Um, you know, both those players are typically dynamic. Uh, you know, always showing for the ball, and uh, I don't know. Something just feels off. You know, I'd say the game against New England, the whole team was either and a bit of attacking funk or just playing a uh, going through a game plan where they weren't really looking to have a cohesive attack where they said, look, we're on the road. We're on terrible artificial turf. That's difficult to build attacks on. And we're just going to play ugly soccer in this game. So uh, I'm interested to see what they do at home against the Rapids on a real field. And if that makes it better against an opponent like Colorado. Yeah. I mean, when you think the, of the Connor Doyle, Connor Doyle returns. Yeah. I mean, when, you, when you think of musty national TV matchups, Colorado at DCU has to be pretty high. Five up there. o'clock was, on a Sunday. I was kind of wondering Jesus how that Christ. happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, they really wanted to follow the Connor Doyle returns the DC storyline. Uh, yeah, he got, uh, he got minutes last week, right? At the end of the I, game, he did. I yeah. don't. Oh, was that the very end? Because I know when they scored the winner during the highlight, he gets hugged by Sam Cronin. Yeah, yeah, he he's was on uh, the field at some no, point. No, no, he he's like in his penny and, oh, and stuff. All right, when, <laughs> when little Marco scored the goal, yeah. my we, we by the way my, we decided to, as a, a I, I don't want to say an homage to Trump because we're not paying him any kind of respect, but as a reference reference to Trump, we're just gonna start calling Marco Papa little Marco, little Marco. I mean, <laughs> He, he's pretty short, right? Uh, I don't know. We should look okay. at his uh, mugshot. It would make it would make more <laughs> oh, sense if he was really short. Wait, what? He said he's really short. I said I don't know. We should look at his mugshot. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do that on purpose? Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if he actually got arrested though. Did he? I don't. I don't think so. He was the one who got stabbed by like a beauty 
pageant contestant. And by Miss Washington. By, wow. No, just <laughs> yeah. Get it straight, don't, don't, don't undersell this. Yeah. <laughs> by a state beauty champion. <laughs> uh, to, to finish the Connor Doyle point that everyone was excited about, uh, he... I really enjoyed this. His main role was after they scored the winning goal, he was there to hug Sam Cronin, <laughs> who wasn't even the goal scorer. Like, everyone else was off celebrating, and for some reason, Sam Cronin jumped into Connor Doyle's arms, and they embraced. <laughs> and, like, the camera hung on it for a long time. And I was like, all right, good job, Connor, contributing to the team. The pillow. <laughs> All right, should we move on? Because Let's move on. I think I've, got like, so much... I've got like another 20 minutes on Connor oh Doyle. So, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I think we've, we've exhausted our DC United talk after that game. Yeah. Anyways, let's move on to general MLS garbage. Yeah. That's so the, really sold that site. <laughs> well, you know, this is not a podcast I would listen to. Yeah, so. this is going to be just as bad as that previous segment. Yeah. Uh, so... Let's start with the undefeated teams. The uh, or sorry, the uh, two and O teams. The teams that have won their first two games. Um, we've got Montreal, San Jose, Sporting KC. You know which of these two and O teams you think has the most staying power? Montreal. They play in the East, which is more open. I think uh, there's. I wouldn't say it's less competitive, but it's a conference where you have just fewer established contenders, I think. And they've been doing it without Didier Drogba. So you, you get him back in the fold. And I believe he's playing this weekend, right? Because they're on grass. Uh, they uh, said if everything goes well. Right. I think Piotti has been like a minor revelation out wide, too. Yeah, yeah Piotti, well, they've been... They've been toying with his positioning, which is kind of what makes him so dangerous. He'll be out wide one game, and then they'll put them underneath the striker and another and put Harry Ship out wide. So he's a, he's a dangerous player, and they have this attack now with him and Ship and Antevero. And then when you get Venegas in the picture, uh, they're all guys who can play any of those three positions across the attacking midfield trio. So... Uh, they're an entertaining team to watch, versatile on the attack, and then you add Drogba to the equation, and uh, their team, I don't think anyone wants to face in the East right now. Yeah, they don't seem to have a lot of weaknesses. I think that they you found see, a By good... the way, you said Venegas, and I, for some reason, immediately thought of Peter Viegas. V- v- uh, or Viegas? No, 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 no. Former Galaxy. No, and, uh, there was a guy like 15 years ago named Pete Viegas. Vahenas. Yeah. Is that how you say Viegas? Uh, I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure how to nope. pronounce it, to be <laughs> honest. Is, we don't need to get off track with Peter Vadas. It's fine. You got to be careful when pronouncing that last name too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah, I, 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 I agree about Montreal. I mean, I, I think, uh, I think Columbus is, uh, I, oh, well now I'm just thinking about the O and two teams, okay. but, uh, aside the player I was referring to. Peter Viegas played for DC United Jesus from 2002 Thomas. to 2003. We've reached the point in the show where Thomas is talking about players that only he remembers. <laughs> you were, we're only moments away from like a 60-minute This American Lifestyle segment on Austin Deleuze starring <laughs> Thomas Floyd. You know. uh, Any Austin Deleuze memories, Thomas? 
Jesus Christ. I wish you guys could have seen how Thomas' face, face lit up. When, it's when it's, it's, it's I have, fitting that I ask him about Austin DeLewis, the light, because the light just came over Thomas's face. It's, right a, it's a very short story. I wrote a story on him shortly after they acquired him, and it was just a little story in the Times, and... I called him up for it, and he sounded so shocked that anyone wanted to interview him. <laughs> I think he even said it himself. Seriously? Just kind of like, why Why do you want to talk to me? <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah. So who, who else is Owen? He who didn't last long at MLS, incidentally. <laughs> he was a, a first-round pick, I think. Yeah, I want to say he was in the top 10 or 15 or so, and... Yeah, poor, poor guy. Uh, San Jose's looked pretty good as well. Yeah, they were. They we were missed if we didn't mention the the probable MLS goal of the year, by the way, which was scored in week two. Yeah, yeah, I feel I feel like I have to give myself some props here. Not that this really means much, but I did pick them as my team to surprise in our goal USA preseason picks. Interesting. Yeah, I went with NYCFC. So so did I. I'm, yeah. I mean, not in the goal preseason not, picks because I, I don't work for goal. Right. Uh, what a, who did you pick to win the MLS Cup? Head. Sounders. So that one's not off to a great start, <laughs> yeah. but they'll get Roman Torres back. They'll sign another DP midseason. Right. They'll get this together. Yeah, but I, I think that, How about that you? San Jose. I can't even remember. Um, I'll, I'll so make a prediction up. right now. Uh, San Jose. Didn't you, I, I think, went with Dallas. I think you picked Dallas. <laughs> yeah. I, I know Seth's picks. <laughs> um, no, but I, I think that San Jose. Uh, they have a lot going for them in all areas of the field. I mean, I think that David Bingham has a chance to kind of establish himself as one of the best keepers in MLS this year. It was his first year as a starter last year. It looked pretty solid. Got himself a national team call-up. Um, Goodson and Bernardes, even though they're both getting a little up there in age, still is one of the more solid center back duos you're going to find in the league. And I think a full season of Godoy and, and Alashe at, at center defensive midfield can be really effective for them. And then you just still have Wando being Wando. And and they have a lot of weapons available at their disposal for the wide midfield and forward positions to the point where in the match yesterday, they had two DPs on the bench as unused subs, Matias Perez, Garcia, and Innocent. And the, the fact that they have that kind of depth, that they can sit those guys on the bench and in their – in their place, go with Quincy Ameriqua, who scores the goal of the year, probably, and uh, Quintero and Simon Dawkins. Uh, those are all good players who, who fit the system well. It's just a team that doesn't have a lot of huge names, but they're well-constructed, and they are learning how to play that Dom Kinnear style that's simple but effective. And I think we're all praying that this is the year that Tommy Thompson finally does something. Tom Tom. Tom Tom. I like Agreed. Tommy Thompson. Agreed. It's, yeah. it's, it, it, I mean, at some point, people are going to stop freaking out on Twitter every time he gets introduced into a game. Like, he has to start not as doing, long as, doing something. Not as long as uh, Charles Boehm exists on this planet. <laughs> I it's swear, not going to happen. Um, <laughs> I swear, even Charlie's going to calm down if Tom Tom can't start to produce a little I, bit I, more. I, I pay a similar level of attention to I ship... Uh, Tom Tom and Thomas McNamara, all three of them, I keep keen. I mean, McNamara, obviously, it's a little over the top at this point, but, you know, <laughs> uh, the three of them I, I have very keen eyes on. So, I don't know. I thought it was encouraging for Thompson that they brought him in as a 
deep-lying central midfielder to protect a lead. I, I think his issue over the last couple years is that he was seen as a very situational player that you would bring him in if you needed a goal, but you maybe wouldn't trust him to play in midfield uh, on the defensive side. And it, it would appear he's developed that part of his game a bit and will be more of a viable option at different positions for San Jose. Tom Tom's still only 20. Let's let's not forget that, guys. Why don't we talk about the 0-2 teams? Yeah. The real losers. And which, one, which ones are, are most surprising of the crop? Yeah, I mean, you've got some of the teams that were being picked for MLS Cup all 0-2 right now. Of course, really doesn't mean a whole lot two weeks in, but still... Slightly surprising to see teams like Columbus and the Red Bulls and Vancouver and Seattle all without a point. I think the real surprising one is probably Columbus. I, losing on the road to the MLS Cup champion in week one is fine. You know That's nothing to be ashamed of. But losing at home to the Union is not an ideal result. I blame the mm-hmm. uniforms. They are now winless in mm-hmm. those hideous Columbus flag Jersey, so that's my entire analysis. <laughs> Do you guys? Uh, have I, more? <laughs> uh, I'm most shocked by New York. I think they just haven't shown up. Uh, although I, I will say they sort of thoroughly outplayed TFC in their first match, um, and I think uh, we we're talking about this before the show. Uh, I think they're going to get sort of a, an injection of creativity with when whenever Verone comes back. I think they're targeting him, targeting him for next weekend. You know, but. Um, I think you saw a pretty, uh, well, a pretty incredibly good dynamic between BWP and um, Vidon throughout preseason, you know, and I know from speaking to him that he was definitely looking forward uh, to uh, to getting off on the right foot. Unfortunately, obviously, he's um, been sidelined, you know, so I think I think that might, their shit might write uh, soon enough, you know. I'm concerned about the Red Bulls' backline. Uh, Ronald Zubar might my- might be. He's just, we've, we've been talking about this for two years at he, this point. Zubar is unbelievably bad. Yeah. I, in, in every I, way. I honestly, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a bad, he's a bad defender, and also he's just a straight-up liability. He's yeah. dangerous. Exactly. Yeah, he is he's dangerous just... to the rest of the league. Yeah. Like, you yeah. don't want to play against him because he's gonna, he might break your best player's leg. And, I, and by the way, he has the most – the two most recent crazy challenges he's had were not even red carded when they were clear red <laughs> <Right>. cards. <laughs> and, and then both times he went, they went back and suspended him after the fact. It's, it's ridiculous. And, and, and yeah, just positioning wise in terms of being able to mark guys, he's not good. And it killed them during the playoffs last year. They might win MLS cup if Perinel stays healthy and he's been bad to start this year. Perinel's still hurt. Miazga's gone. Gideon Ba, who was pretty solid in week one, was a disaster in the second half against Montreal. Even Kamar Lawrence, who had a strong first season in MLS, has been pretty poor over the first couple games. Uh, He got called for a PK in the first game. And then uh, against Montreal, there was a goal where he completely switched off and was about 10 yards behind the rest of his back line and kept... uh, a guy onside for a Montreal even, goal. Uh, just across the back line, there are problems there. Even yeah. even Kleschen, who was obviously a standout in the second half of last year and uh, did well through preseason, has been a relative no-show. Yeah, so. I, I enjoyed Ba on uh, Montreal's first goal. 
when passing the ball out of the back, he tries the ice cream scoop pass. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's something that you should only do when you're within 25 yards of your opponent's goal. At a rec league game. <laughs> I mean, not, you know. <laughs> and uh, shockingly, it didn't work out for him. Oh, so, Red Bulls back line, they need to figure that out. I mean, if they get Paranel back, and if it turns out that Ba, this was an aberration, and he plays more like he did in week one, they'll be okay. Uh, but you never know. I, I'd, I'd be a little concerned if I was a Red Bulls fan. Yeah, uh, Vancouver, Seattle. I think Seattle, you know, Thomas, you mentioned. Um, they, they'll get their shit together. I, th- I feel like they will. Um, I think that... You know, not having Roman Torres healthy is hurting them right now. Uh, and, you know, there are rumors that they're trying to replace their DP slot that they lost with the Martins with a with a center midfielder, uh, more of a number 10 creator. So, you know, you would think with the resources Seattle has, they should be able to bring in someone pretty solid. But, you know, still kind of working out the kinks. Uh, Jordan Morris has been kind of up and down his first couple of games. So you, you would think that they would be able to, to turn that around. And to just look at the individual results, they lose week one at home because they get a first half red card. Uh, I mean, I don't know how much you can really analyze that result and chalk it up to any sort of problems I mean, they might have. And I then, mean, really, every every team that's 0-2 has had two pretty difficult games to start out with. Yeah, you know. First, yeah, week two on the road, the RSL yeah. lose a last gasp goal because their backup goalkeeper yeah, kind of made a mistake trying to claim a ball in his own six-yard box. I mean, you're, ta- you're talking about losing to TFC in Montreal. These are not insane results. Yeah, you know. really the only big upset in the bunch is Columbus losing at home to Philly. Uh, I mean, like you said, aside from that, a lot of these teams that are 0-2 have lost tough games that you would not really raise an eyebrow with them losing. Chris Pontius rediscovering his 2012 form. Yeah. <laughs> I would be. I would Didn't be even know his left foot could do that anymore. Yeah, I'd be I'd be so happy for him if he uh, put together a healthy season and help help the union out. I'd uh, I'd like it if we talked about NYCFC now, Pablo, because you know how much I love talking about NYCFC. You've been you've been waiting all show for this. You were no. just mailing it in at the beginning with the soundboard stuff till we got to this point. Uh, yeah, exactly. I might start banging on it again. But uh, three and, four and three. It, Let's just jump to the three four three. I just love that we have a coach in MLS who. You mean a three three six one really? But yeah, it, way. It, in execution, it definitely was more of a three six one for most of the game. The wide forwards were actually further back than a couple of the midfielders. Uh, but yeah, the, the fact that there is an MLS coach who's willing to experiment with risky formations and changes look game to game and just bring tactical wrinkles in a league where a lot of coaches are prone to just roll out the same 4-4-2 or 4-2-3-1 game in, game out. I mean, I do maintain that, and, and uh, Vieira, after the match, I guess, sort of uh, denied this, but I do think that the three in the back is, uh, I'm going to say largely a byproduct of the lack of width at Yankee Stadium. I think it's one of the only venues um, in MLS where you get away with it. Like you said earlier, Will Johnson, I think after the game, said, yeah, you know, if they played that formation at StubHub, they'd have gotten, you know, torn apart but uh i'm curious to see if he sticks with it going forward especially on the road you know i i doubt he'll use it on the road unless they're chasing a goal but i'm interested to see what other formations he might break out the way he's talking he's made it seem like he's got several in the tool bag that they've 
experimented with throughout preseason and that they can vary from game to game. And they have the personnel to do it. They have a lot of players with versatility, uh, a lot of central midfielders if they want to try different formations to jam as many of them on the field as possible as they did in this past game. So I'm I'm intrigued. It's I'm not sure if it's going to work necessarily every match, but I'm I'm interested in seeing the starting eleven for NYCFC an hour before kickoff every week now. Quick question from the stream. Um Justin Painter asked if the Chinese Super League has ambitions to be a top league in the world, how come they have not yet purchased Lontan from Arizona United for one trillion dollars? They already had him. Which is the real disappointment that they're letting their where local. Do you, where did he play again? Harbin Yatang. Harbin Yatang. Harbin Yatang. Harbin Yatang. Harbin Yatang. Harbin Yatang. I I like that you're looking at Seth <laughs> as if he's he would know how Seth to pronounce Seth speaks a little this. bit of Cantonese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about this big spending spree that the Chinese clubs have gone on, but this ha- this happened a while back with the purchase of Long Tan. It kind of started it all with Harbin Yitang snag- <laughs> snaring him away from. Uh, we uh, can't even remember. Where, where, uh, I think he was with uh, Orlando City at the he, time. He was um, right. The USL version of Orlando City. The man Long Tan's place in USL lore is incredible. Like he kicked, he left his mark he at the kicked a hole in the Citrus Bowl. He did. A hole in the wall, and then got suspended for the final. So to replace him, they called up Dom Dwyer, who scored like 17 goals in the championship game. (laughs) He actually scored four goals. The the final score of that final was like eight to six or something like that. (laughs) But the the fact that Longtan gets suspended, so Orlando's punishment is they have to call in Dom Dwyer to replace him is absurd. That was that was such bullshit. I, Dom Dwyer at that point had already long since established that he was too good for that league and he was playing in MLS and they were like, All right, we have a spot available for the final. <laughs> this we great... wanna win. Like let's call in Dwyer. I just I just pulled up this uh, article from what he did. This is a great league or a great lead. Renovations for the Florida Citrus Bowl just got more expensive last week, courtesy of Long Tan. <laughs> After the OCSC forward took a blow to the head from Charleston's Colin Falvey in a USL Pro semifinal, a heated exchange followed. Both players were rejected red cards. My God. On his way off the field, Tan kicked a hole in the wall. I also I found a picture of it at one point, of the hole. I think the Orlando Sentinel had it. <laughs> I'll miss the final game, comma, said Tan. Next time I'll just leave, not talk. Period. <laughs> well, it wasn't really good, what good he quote. said. Yeah. <laughs> it was more what his foot did to the wall. Right. <laughs> yeah. My left foot make. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> good callback. Uh, uh, where were we? NYCFC. We were talking to NYCFC. NYCFC yeah. So uh, one of the problems with uh, Andrea Pirlo during his time in the league last year was that he just wasn't getting enough protection. Uh, in the center midfield, you know, I think we've established that he needs somebody doing the dirty work so he can get the ball and just spray passes around. So having five other midfielders, I think, is a pretty solid form of protection for him. And lo and behold, uh, Thomas found this crazy stat from MLS this week that Andrea Pirlo led the league last week in tackles Sorry, God. I was distracted by the picture. There it is. There's a huge hole in the wall. All right, you get it. Put, put that on the slide account. It's, it's a picture of the hole in the wall with Long Tan walking away from it with his head bowed down, peanut style, 
in shame. Yeah. That's incredible. Please put that on the open okay. line Twitter Anyways, account. Anyways, by, so by Pirlo, Pirlo. Led, led the MLS in tackles one this week, which is pretty remarkable. He had and, more touches in the game than anybody has had in any game in MLS yeah. this year. The, so. uh, the remarkable thing with that is it's, uh, I guess, maybe not remarkable. The interesting thing is that I think it's largely a product of that field. It's such a pinball style that I think almost everyone on the field is going to rack up higher tackling numbers than they normally do because it's just going to be a very hectic health um, type of game where the, the ball just – there's not much control and there are a lot of battles in midfield, especially when the team is playing six midfielders. But still, it, it was impressive that Pirlo was willing to dig in and – win some tackles in addition to being pretty efficient on the ball and playing a couple of uh, nice through balls as well. I mean, I thought him, Shelton, Taylor, uh, Villa, the entire, the entire midfield and Villa had several really good sort of rapid fire exchanges throughout the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I want one touch, two touch sort of stuff. Another thing Mix was saying after the game is that they're playing a lot more one-two-touch soccer this year. I, I don't know if that, again, is situational. If Vieira says, when we're on this shoebox Yankee Stadium field, one-two-touch, that's all we can afford. But either way, it, it seems to be working, and it's uh, more entertaining to watch. And I think they're getting the most out of the players they have by playing that kind of system. And I, th- I think it's helpful for Via that MLS has decided to let him use his hands this year. <laughs> <laughs> that, Come on. That goal, like, from the wide TV angle, I was just like, wow. Clear as day, handball. Via's getting a yellow card. This is coming back. Nothing. You get away with that if you're a player of a certain caliber. Now, Period. If, if M- story. Once MLS has implemented instant replay, they will be able to correct these decisions <laughs> i don't know if you guys saw this flew under the radar fifa approved replay trials and said that a number of member associations are willing to experiment with them and they even outlined how replay will work with a little diagram on their website give us the quick rundown um it's for the cause you would think goals red cards PKs and uh misidentification thank god offside isn't one of those calls well Offside within the context of a goal would okay, be, right. but otherwise, no. Yeah. Oh, um, so a goal on a bad offside call could be could come back. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's the idea. Um, Again, if they miss an offside call, then right, right, yeah, yeah. It's so. Uh, or the, no, sorry. If they, if no, they but if they, if they call offsides, yeah. then the play stops. So, so okay, yeah. yeah. The right. way anyway. they the way they articulated it was on goals. You can only review goals that happened, but. On PKs, you can review PKs that happened and PKs that could have happened. So that's where the wiggle room is. Even if, really? Yeah, and they're also. How do you? Yeah. I mean, what do you? Do, do the coaches have flags or okay. something? Okay. Next, good question. Uh, <laughs> there is no challenge system, and this is the part I'm skeptical of. The referee, it is up to him to go, you know what? That was a borderline call. Let me go to the replay system to review this. I'm imagining someone like Geiger would just be like, nope, <laughs> not it was anything. the right call. Not we anything. are not looking at that again. Um, and then when they review it, uh, the referee has the choice of just taking the opinion of the replay official or in the diagram, they showed a referee uh, on the sideline holding an iPad 
where the referee <laughs> can look at the replay himself and decide. And or play Candy Crush Saga. <laughs> uh, I don't get it. Why wouldn't they just give the... That, that that last part doesn't make any sense to me. I I don't know. I mean, is it like if the if the ref doesn't feel he has a? They're all seeing the same angles, right? Like, yeah, it's why is uh, a referee would you ever cede control of that call to somebody? I mean, I I guess they. If you're a referee, I'm sure there are calls where you second guess yourself and you say, uh, "I think that was a PK," but I wouldn't mind a second look at that. Sure. Um, also. Flew under the radar. You can now do kickoffs backwards. That blew my mind. Really? What? Yeah. That was just buried in the FIFA release. Starting July 1st, you can do kickoffs backwards. Finally, DC United gets a chance to score an own goal with their first touch <laughs> of the game. Yeah, I actually was thinking at some point someone will become um, the first person in soccer history to score an own goal off a kickoff. So we should just like nab that while it's up yeah, for grass. Exactly. I wonder, like a third, like a PDL player, just do it. You know, like <laughs> I wonder why that was ever a rule in the first place. Doesn't make any like, sense. Why really. would you have to kick the ball forward to start? I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. The other random rule that again was buried in this press release FIFA dropped a couple weeks ago is when there is an injury on which a yellow or red card was given, the player who was injured can receive treatment on the field and they will wait to restart the game until he is treated. So, What if it takes like 15 minutes? That's what I was and wondering. that's also going to encourage way more injury faking. Yeah. Well, it's only if a card was given. Well, so, but still, so, like, injury yeah. faking on occasions where they see that the player's getting a card. <laughs> now, so, now, like, n- not even having thought of it, now I'm going to miss the, like, little, little like, tap forward and then pass back. <laughs> right. Instead of, like, just to, it just seems weird to just kick it back. I know. know. It's I very know. strange. But, yeah, the the yellow card injury thing is, in theory, it's to avoid situations where a player gets fouled and then... There's a yellow card, and that team has to go down a man for a few minutes while he's treated as if it's a punishment. Right, right. So, yeah. Uh, but, of course, I'm sure someone will abuse it, so that'll be fun. Well, uh, thank you, Thomas, for that FIFA rules breakdown. Anytime. Yeah, I, I had not heard anything about the kicking forward, probably because it's completely inconsequential, but that's still... Plus, they, still already, they already allow kicking backwards in district sports rec league. <laughs> I mean, so yeah. just to put, a, to put a tack on this Vera thing... Uh, I commend the dude for going for it, uh, which most co- most coaches in MLS simply don't do. You know, yeah, it may lead to a spectacular failure, well, and him never getting a job in Europe. Was, but you know, well, I actually was about to say, what kind of job security does he have? Like NYCFC could be we'll way worse they, than they were they, yeah, under completely. Price, and I feel like they'll keep him. Like everybody assumes they will, but I I'm not sold on that. You know. But in part of my conversation with him was, to me, the stakes for him are way higher than they were for Christ. I mean, this is obviously, most people view this as a stopover for him on his way to an eventual job at Man City or some other... You don't think Christ is getting the Man City job? <laughs> so, I just think, you know, if he if he fails in MLS, he's going to have a... He's going to be stuck with a perception of, this dude couldn't hack it in America. And, yeah. you know, why would we hire him, for, you know... At, Whatever, Arsenal, Liverpool, Newcastle. You know, I think it was rumored Newcastle before he came to the U.S. You know, I actually hadn't thought of that. I can already see how even if he does well. Yeah, they'll this, be like, well, this, you did it in America. Well, also. But if you fail, you did it in America. I mean, also, do, doing well in MLS is finishing, you know, 
17, 13, and 4. And, right. and way out and, of a Champions oh, League spot, or right, something. That's exactly. What you're saying. There's no yeah. top four, you know, like like uh, you know that record in the Premier League is mid table, and I feel like people might look at that in Europe and say, "Ooh, Vieira's struggling." But yeah, all right, I, we're getting a little off track. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So uh, he's just been get... looking at us like he's lost for like five minutes. <laughs> like, let's move it on. I'm just still contemplating how different soccer is now that you don't have to kick the ball forward on a kickoff. So weird. It's tough. And, like, even yeah, and, and again, like FIFA just dropped that halfway through a press release. Really, a, really strange. Listing other yeah. rules changes. Yeah. 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 So we got a couple more games that we want to cover. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't cover the Texas Derby. Um, 27 <laughs> minutes. Bloodbath. Yeah. So I, la- last week we were talking about how FC Dallas. By the way, I, ca- the I, best- I captained Giles, excuse me, Giles Barnes. Right. <laughs> to, uh, I captained him in fantasy, and I'm just like. Wasn't watching the game. Pick up my phone. See, it's four nothing, and I'm like, "All right." And he yeah. like, didn't even. He was like three points. He got injured. Oh, he did. He got subbed out for Boniek Garcia pretty early. Yeah. Uh, so last <laughs> yeah last week we were discussing whether FC Dallas was the best team in the league, uh, and to completely show how random and pointless it is to call any team in MLS the best, uh, Houston, who weren't very good last year. Comes and just absolutely destroys FC Dallas. It was four nothing after twenty seven minutes of this game. Uh, ends five, including nothing. a spectacular <laughs> FC Dallas own yes. goal. Who was yes. it? Hedges. It was, it I've was. been I've been pushing I mean, Hedges for the national team for like, so long, and then he does that. Just clinical bottom left corner of the goal from <laughs> like sixteen out under you know. under very it, little pressure. Exactly, yeah, yeah. It was, Those are the toughest ones to finish. It you was know? so no, slow. <laughs> Toughest own goals to finish. There's no offensive player anywhere around you. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. no pressure. Uh-oh. My favorite own goals, by the way, like the Hedges ones, are the ones where the player, like, crumbles to the ground before the ball's even in the goal. <laughs> it's, it's just like the, the helplessness of it all. Once it yeah. leaves Hedges, your feet. Hedges looked very angry at Jesse Gonzalez, <laughs> which I'm not sure I buy. Uh, yeah, that's just like, you know, when you, you're playing football with your friends and you drop a football and you look at your hands. Like they betrayed you or something, you know? It's like, you know, no. My favorite own goal is still the Gareth Bale face own goal. But, yeah, yeah. it's a tough one to beat, yeah. you know. Anyways. If you haven't seen it, give it a Google. Yeah, um, so I, I think obviously some encouraging signs for Houston who, you know, as I mentioned, were pretty average to below average last year. Um, and still getting nothing out of Kubo Torres. Yeah, um, Jesus, that, is a, that is a crazy storyline. I mean, that would be like... That would be a dark horse candidate for worst MLS signing ever. Yeah, I how mean, much? How much are they paying him? I, I mean, I believe he's on a DP salary. Uh, I think he's up around a million. Let's see. Yeah, they they've been going with Will Bruin up top, and it's hard to argue with it. He's been putting up the numbers, and in their system, that they've got Christian Maidana now. Uh, to play beneath a, a lone striker, they've pushed Giles Barnes out wide, but he's another option there. And also, he's only on four hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. Okay, so he's uh, max salary or low-level DP yeah, or TAM, yeah. a TAM player, perhaps. Yep. But yeah, it's it's interesting that the Dynamo have looked so sharp, largely because of Andrew Wenger, who suddenly is looking like the Andrew Wenger from what the summer of twenty fourteen, when for a couple months he finally seemed to be putting it together. Yeah, it probably would help him if they ever sell on a position for him. He's again at midfield. 
Right. Andrew Wenger had one of my not own favorite own goals, but favorite like just crappy plays last year. Just, he just dribble out of bounds. <laughs> yeah. Just sprinted out of bounds over the end line with the ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so incredible. The, that more so than any sequence I've ever seen on a soccer field look like it was out FIFA. <laughs> yeah, it, it was just the Philadelphia Union and like in a little tasty nugget, you know, their entire season. They did win that game. Yeah. Against DC United. <laughs> Zach Pfeffer. Stop it, Simon. Searching, searching Andrew Winger. Jeff, and here it is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the the thing with FC Dallas that's, I guess, a little concerning is how vulnerable the backline looked. Uh, they've kind of reshaped that unit. They've got um, Figueroa left back. They're starting Walker Zimmerman. Pablo is, sorry, is not paying it. attention. Look at it. <laughs> Just uh, here he comes, here he comes, and there he goes. <laughs> um, Anyways, uh, but yeah, uh, Atiba Harris at right back, uh, kind of a unconventional unit. Uh, they actually only had one starter from their standard back four last season when they had Zach Lloyd, Ryan Hollingshead, and Javon Watson starting alongside Matt Hedges. So. Perhaps it's been a under the radar Javon Javon Watson. Yeah. Uh, perhaps it's an under the radar storyline that FC Dallas reshaped what was a pretty successful defensive unit, and that unit completely collapsed against the Dynamo. And maybe they should look at getting Zach Lloyd and Ryan Hollingshead back in the fold. Yeah. So I think we should end with the with the Galaxy. Um, as we mentioned, they beat DC United pretty handily in their first game, but per new MLS rules, they only get two points for that. Um, slightly I less think that's a real rule. Slightly less encouraging outing as they go down one nil to Colorado from a stoppage time winner from Little Marco Papa. Um, again, I think you see some of these issues with the Galaxy cropping up in terms of their midfield pairing. Um, with Steven Gerrard and Nigel DeYoung. I think Giassi Zardes looked pretty bad. Yeah, uh, I saw uh, Zardes' passing chart, and it looked like a bloodbath, literally. It was just all red from the incomplete passes. Yeah, he, uh, he's really he's really struggling right now. And, you know, they're, uh, you know they were missing Gio Dos Santos. Keane was even missing easy chances. Um, so... You know things are are definitely a little shaky to to start the season right now in L.A. The situation with Zardes, it was, I believe, pretty widely reported that they were looking to sell him during the off season and then use the allocation money from that transfer to keep Omar. And basically, the fact that they couldn't find a suitor for Zardes forced the move to get rid of Omar. Mm. And uh, you know, it's still pretty early, but that's looking like maybe it wasn't the greatest development for L.A. considering the form Omar has been in in Liga MX so far and how much it looks like Zardes has regressed over the last six months or so. I think it is always a little bit disappointing for U.S. national team supporters when a young player emerges as 
a potential star in the making for club and country. And I think with Zardis, um, his 2014 season was definitely that. He has such a breakout year. He scored a bunch of goals, and he was still in his age 21 or 22 season. And I think a lot of people thought that this might be the answer at forward, someone who's really going to you know kind of challenge Josie as a starter for the national team. And last year, in 2015, he actually led the U.S. national team in appearances. But when you see him play, you can just really see the limitations in his game a lot more yeah. that now than I feel like even you could a couple years ago. You just First see, touch of a blacksmith. First, t- first touch of a blacksmith. I, I think his finishing is suspect for sure. There are opportunities that he misses that you feel like 99% of the players in the league could finish. I feel like... At least once a game, there's just a sequence in the final third where you can't believe what happened. Where he'll just cross the I ball say, out of bounds for say, no at, reason. Out of bounds cross, out of control run over the goal, over the end line happens a lot. Yeah. You know, um, Or just like a poor finish from, we'll say, four to five yards out. And uh, do you think that the fact that he was fast-tracked to the national team as a starter play the part in him losing confidence perhaps the same way that Klinsman forced Ventura Alvarado into the starting lineup and he has now been a complete shell of a decent soccer player uh, since last summer's Gold Cup. Or to a lesser extent, Julian Green too. Yep. Yeah, it's it seems like pretty much every time Klinsman, I mean, if there's a, an example that refutes this, I'm trying to think of one, but more or less every time he tries to rush in a young star in the making to kind of groom someone, ends up backfiring a bit. Yeah. And, and, and Zardis, you know, he just seems like another in the long line of American players who just has the physical tools but not the, the technical side of his game to really become an elite level player. Right. And that's something to watch as we go toward the qualifiers later this month in the Copa America in the summer Klinsman has talked a lot about wanting to play more proactive soccer. And, yeah, I feel like if he continues to roll with a struggling Jossie Zardes who has limited technical ability and keep someone like a Darlington Nagby on the bench, uh, maybe you question his commitment to the philosophy that he seemingly has been uh, promoting over his uh, tenure as national team coach. Or Lee Wynn, who yep. at various points on Saturday looked like the only competent player on the field during the Revs DC United game. Right. And uh, Klinsman has been pretty committed to Zardes as a starter since the Gold Cup. And I wonder if Zardes' early season form is enough to get Lee Nguyen into the starting lineup or perhaps Nagby. Wins probably the more likely one, considering how impressive he was in the January camp friendlies. But uh, that, that'll definitely be something to watch in these two games against Guatemala later this month. Yeah, we should have some national team stuff to talk about next week, which might be helpful because DC United's playing Colorado on, <laughs> on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know how much we can squeeze oh out of that one. God. All right, guys, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week.